the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, episode 50. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Stressed Out Caregiver Podcast, the show dedicated to providing tips and strategies to everyone caring for an elderly loved one. My name is Casey Price, and I am an elder law attorney at the law firm of Price & Price in Haddonfield, New Jersey. We are the law firm that focuses our practice on helping people touched by Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. This podcast exists to make your job, the job of caring for your elderly loved one, just a little less stressful. And today we're going to talk about four ways to build a living will, or in New Jersey, what we call an advanced directive for healthcare. So there's really four ways to do it. And uh, let's talk about each of those. And, and, and we're going to get into what I mean here, because this one, I don't know if anybody's going to listen to it. The name is kind of confusing or it may not seem like this is really that important. But if you are named in somebody's living will or working with somebody who is preparing a living will, this episode could be really important to give a good understanding of what it is you're going to end up having to do as the proxy in the living will or as someone trying to provide some help and guidance to an elderly loved one in the midst of preparing a living will or again as we call in New Jersey an advanced directive for healthcare. Now we talked in a previous episode about the two different parts of the advanced directive for healthcare and they are the instruction directive which is where you provide instructions regarding your wishes for healthcare in the event that you subsequently lack decision-making capacity and are unable to make those decisions for yourself at the time they need to be made. The other part, the second part, is the proxy di directive. That's where you can appoint a healthcare representative in the event you subse subsequently lack decision-making capacity um, to, to really uh, manage your own healthcare decisions, right? This is where you appoint the person to speak on your behalf. So the instruction directive provides instructions, kind of um, uh, your written instructions about what it is you would want. And the proxy directive is where you appoint the person, the healthcare representative, to manage the affairs on your behalf and speak for you when you can no longer speak for yourself to express that which you would or would not want regarding medical care or end-of-life care uh, because, again, you're unable to do it for yourself now. When you have those two issues or those two uh, items, right, the instruction directive and the proxy directive, it actually leads to a number of combinations when you create a living will or an advanced directive because in your document, you can um, include one or both of those things. So you can have an advanced directive that just has an instruction directive alone. So that's something you would create where you would put down in writing what it is you do or do not want if medical care is needed at some time in the future and you can't express your wishes or desires uh, for yourself. So you can put it in writing and, and medical providers would see that. They would be guided by that and that would be it. That would be your advanced directive. 
On the other hand, you could create a proxy directive alone. So you could create a, a writing where you appoint somebody to speak on your behalf, but you don't give any written instructions as to what you would or would not want. You merely appoint a person, a representative, to speak for you in the event you couldn't speak for yourself, you couldn't make these decisions on your own, and medical decisions need to be made. Now, that's either or. One's an instruction directive, one is a is a proxy directive. Now, you can combine them. So you can have an advanced directive that includes an instruction directive and a proxy directive, but there are a couple kinds of instruction directives. So this is where things get a little bit uh, dicey, okay? Because what kind of instruction directive do you have? You, the person who creates the advanced directive can include a very specific instruction directive. I want this kind of treatment. I don't want that kind of treatment. And just right down to the letter, they can say everything they do and do not want. And that's really good, right? Because it gives you black and white answers. Here's what they want. Here's what they don't want. Sometimes it can lead to some confusion because care that they, that they will allow might be in conflict with other care they won't allow. So in order for a certain type of treatment to be effective, you need to do uh, A and B. But if the person says, I will allow A but not B, well, that could lead to some confusion. What is it that the, the, the declarant, the person who created the advanced directive, wants to have happen? What is it that, that will, is required to make that happen? Is it allowed in the document? So they might have a goal of a certain type of care but the document may be in conflict with that goal. The instructions included in the document might be in conflict with that goal. So you have to be aware of that. That's when we can run into some trouble with some very black and white answers as to what someone does and does not want. On the other hand, the instruction directive can be very general or track oriented, meaning this, you can say, I don't want any care at all. If anything happens to me, I don't want any care at all. Let me go. On the other hand, you can say, if anything happens to me, do everything you can. Keep me alive no matter what. I never want you to let me go. So there's two very black and white um, possibilities. Somebody might choose do everything. Someone else might choose do nothing. Very uh, black and white. The third track, something that leaves more... Um, more of the ability to assess the situation if something should occur would be something like this. If anything happens to me, work with my doctors to determine my prognosis. And if I can come back to the level of uh, or the quality of life I had prior to the situation that occurred, treat me and bring me back. And if I can't come back to something equal to that quality of life, let me go. You know, there's something that provides some leeway. You know, assess the situation, make decisions based on that, because if I can have a quality of life, I want to be here, I want you to, to bring me back and, and give me a chance to fight. And if I won't have a good quality of life, you know, then, then that's when you, you, I don't want care, I don't want treatment, let me go. So that's a what I would call more of a, a decision-making track instruction directive. There's three tracks there. One's do nothing, one's do everything, and the other is something in the middle where you assess and then decide. So what I've just described are four different ways to build a living will. Let's go over them one more time really fast. One is a proxy directive alone where you appoint someone with no instructions. 
two is an instruction directive alone where you appoint where, where you don't appoint anyone but you do leave instructions as to what care you would or wouldn't want number three is uh, would be a very specific or re- it's almost like 2a but but I I call it three and and then sub, and, and then then four is the next one but number three would be you appoint someone uh, to serve as your health care representative so you have a proxy directive, you have an instruction directive, and the instruction directive is very specific. So your proxy, your healthcare representative, is guided by very specific instructions. That can be really good in some ways, and that can lead to issues in, in some other situations, and that, again, is when these things can be in conflict. I want one thing, I don't want something else, and, and those things are in conflict with each, each other if they're both part of a treatment that you do express that you do want. So that can be an issue sometimes, but, but in many situations, these very specific instruction directives work really well. The fourth and final way you could build a, a living will in this conversation that we're having right now is a an instruction directive with a healthcare representative appointment, but the instruction directive is very general. It provides for decision-making tracks where you can say, do everything to make me, you know, keep me alive, make me better, try and make me better, do nothing, let me go. This is my chance to, 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 you know, free myself of whatever it is I'm dealing with. And then number three would be assess my situation and my, my healthcare representative should work with my doctors to determine whether or not I would have the quality of life I would want. And if, if so, then treat me and and make me better to the best of your ability. And if not, then please let me go. And that would be number four. So hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully you can look at your um, living will or the one that someone has given you where they've appointed you their healthcare proxy and, and you have a good idea or not their healthcare proxy, but their healthcare representative and have a good idea of what the document says, what it means, what your responsibilities are and what it is they've decided if they've left instructions, how they're um, put together and, and what they mean to you as the healthcare representative. I hope you found this helpful. Of course, remember, please, to share this information uh, if anybody else might be serving as a healthcare representative for a loved one. This is really important stuff. And, and it, you know, again, it, it doesn't give, I'm not giving every answer that's available, but I hope I'm giving enough information that it's making these things a little more relatable and reducing the stress associated with caring for an elderly loved one. Keep on the lookout for more episodes. I'm going to have more episodes about living wills coming up up very soon. So keep on a lookout. They're coming and um, let your friends know about the podcast. You know, again, if you know somebody who's dealing with this, share it with them. You will be their hero if you can turn them on to good, reliable information that allows them to deal with their elderly loved one situation in a in a better way. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a review at iTunes. I would really appreciate that. Of course, five stars and, and some wonderful words that say if this has helped you, if this has reduced your stress, please share that so others see that and know that this is a place to turn to try and improve everyone's quality of life. Remember, if you want to leave me a question or a comment, you can send it to my email, kccasey at thestressedoutcaregiver.com. Once again, and as always, this show is based in New Jersey law. The laws in your state might be different. The content of this show is not intended to be legal advice, but rather information so you can find the help you and your elderly loved one need to provide each of you with the highest possible quality of life. Once again, I want to thank you very much for taking some time to listen to this today. My name is Casey Price. I am the elder law attorney at the law offices of Price & Price in Haddonfield, New Jersey, the elder law firm dedicated to helping families touched by 
Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia. And until I have the privilege and pleasure of talking to you again, I wish you nothing but the best.